month. He's fresh from the city. And just like that. And just like that. He's back. He's fresh. Have you seen the uh, And Just Like That promo, by the way? I have. I have. Um, you, wh- wh- why, 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 what is that reaction? I'm concerned. I'm, I have, no. I have concerns, Matt. I do. Tell I me. I just have Tell concerns. I, I just feel like now it, um, the, the, first of all, the clothing is ridiculous. It has, it has yeah. crossed over into some sort of drag race challenge that I don't, like, I feel like I missed when Rue was explaining it. And, and I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, that, that worries me a little bit. It just, it feels turned up in a way that I'm, that concerns me. But will I watch every second of it? Of course. Yes. Of course. But you know, they don't have Pat Fields, the right. costume, right. who was the costume designer for all of the series. And so, you know, we, we can definitely see and feel that yes. loss, Yes. but I've accepted it. Okay. Okay. I've just accept- I, I just feel like we have to sort of shift into a mindset that like, oh, these people who were very fashionable in their 30s and 40s are making different choices in their 50s and they're, you know, yeah. They're in a different place in their lives stylistically. It's a little it's a little madam. It's a little Waylon Flowers and madam. <laughs> For my taste. It really is. It yes. is. It is. Oh my god, you're yeah, right. You're right. It is. We need to do some side by side. Yeah. I mean, I I just have been on such a journey with it because, you know, I love the show so much mm-hmm. and rewatch it so much. And, and you know, uh, there are rumors unfounded that maybe Big is dying. Oh. Uh, obviously, in the show, you know, who who knows if that is true. If it is, I accept it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We've I've had it. You know, I've been there with him. I've even accepted not having Samantha. Yeah, that's I'm, I've gone on a full there's been a full arc of that with the you know denial and anger and everything and i am in complete acceptance i just don't we don't need that energy at this chapter of our lives and by ours i mean me and carrie and yeah Charlotte I, and I just Miranda. want the explanation more than anything i want the samantha explanation and i want it now yeah but we'll get it we'll get it we'll get it soon enough and just like that i bring it up because you are fresh from new york city and i can tell yeah, I just did a whirlwind trip to New York that was so fun. Uh, Michael is there for work for like a month and then he's back and then he's there again. So um, went to see him slash to surprise Colleen, birth mom, uh-huh. who you have met yes. uh, for her birthday. So that was a big success. We She they she was brought into the city uh, un, thinking that she was going to see Six, the musical, yeah. and they were having dinner beforehand. And then the surprise was that I was there with Mirari, who you also yes. know. Uh, and she was very thrilled. You know, if I were her, I'd be a little disappointed that I wasn't seeing six because it's supposed to be great. Oh, so she didn't get to see six at all. She did not get. No, I was six. OK, we were, we were six. Well, I think you are orders of magnitude better than six, but it is that is an adjustment to make. Yes, I'm much less expensive than a ticket yes, to I six. I'll say that. True. I would imagine that's true. Did you do my favorite autumn New York City activity, which is. Hanging out in the West Village with a nice hot cup of coffee and watching boys jog by you in fleeces. I did a lot. You know, there it wasn't. I, I'd say the part of the West Village that we were in is you know, a bit of an older crowd, the Julius crowd. Oh, great. You know, um, great. where we were often the youngest people there, which I was a real breath of fresh air for. Me. Lovely, lovely. But it was New York was really showing off. It was at its best. Mm-hmm. Just like the the most perfect weather, the most like 
heartbreakingly beautiful autumn. I love it. The whole thing. God, it was the whole thing. Yeah. My friend yeah. Damien Fahey was there over the weekend, literally sending me pictures from the West Village and just making me seethe with uh, with envy. Uh, speaking of being yeah. the youngest people somewhere, I am going to St. Louis this week uh, to help my mother pack. She is uh, she is moving into a uh, into like an independent senior living community type facility oh, wow which which is great i've seen the place it's it's lovely there's a ton of stuff for everyone to do like you know i i a lot of my friends parents are already there like people she knows are already there um it's it's definitely a great move it's one of these things where people you know move in when they're when their place is too big for them and they have a tendency to you know really flourish because they're around people of a similar age and there's mm-hmm. you know all kinds of stuff and conversation and community and and stuff so i'm i'm very excited for her however from this visit forward I will be staying in an independent senior living facility when I go home to visit family. And wow. Yeah, because it's a two bedroom place and I'm kind of expected to stay there. And I'm delighted. I can't wait. Yeah. The drama that I like, the, the, I'm going to identify and expose the, the hidden tensions and dramas in this place. And I'm going to, I'm going to stir some yes. shit up. I'm very excited. They are, you know, notoriously horny places. That is what I understand. That is what I understand. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, that it's just going to, I'm very excited. I'm excited to be, to be a a young whippersnapper in a place that's got like a little, like there's a pub and there's an art studio and there's a screening room and there's all this, there's all this stuff. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Oh, wow. I'm excited for her for a fresh new chapter. Yes. That's that's her and just like that. It is. It is. And a a show I'd like to see. And much like Britney, she is free. She's free. Britney is free. Never thought we'd see the day. We did it. How did you feel? How did you find out? Uh, I thought, I, I think, I don't know. I, I just saw a lot of tweets, sure. uh, and, and, and we sort of knew that the day was coming. So it was not a, it was, I, I don't know. I will say I spoke to our friend Nigel and he lives in WeHo and he fully like went out and celebrated yeah. with the people that night. And I was like, oh, what a missed opportunity to not go bar hopping and have Britney playing in every club and just being drunk and emotional about, about her freedom. Yeah. Yeah. How how was your how was your experience? My personal experience obviously relief. Um you know it's just wild as hell to me that this was, you know, this was Tess Barker and Babs Gray doing a show about yes. Britney's Instagram and then slowly this movement sprang up and and was actually spoke the truth and actually freed this woman from captivity like that's that's it's incredible crazy and important and and i'm i don't know i'm psyched for all of them and i also you know of course worry that she's going to be more of a target than ever for the paparazzi and now for just regular people who have a fancy camera in their pocket um because that picture you know people are going to be like oh i gotta get that picture and she's not necessarily free from that i hope that she does get left alone to some degree god i hope so too i mean i mean and i I, maybe you'll get left alone you won't have people asking you to uh give a statement on on britney's conservatorship every other day it's like cnn called i don't know how cnn has my number like no i don't i don't know i met her eight times 20 years ago on tv no, I don't. I don't. You know, I'm glad she's free. I don't want to talk about it. It's ghoulish. 
Yeah. But you have led a a a, a measured uh um air of authority okay. to the conversation, okay. I will say. Yeah. I, you know, I've really appreciated your presence Thank in you that. So much. Um Thanks. But yeah, but, you know, hope it's over. And just like that, and just like that, it's a new chapter. It's a new time. chapter. And we have a guest this week who is a fascinating gentleman. He is an actor, a writer, a memoirist. Uh, he uh, His name is David Pevsner, and he is coming out with a book next year called Damn Shame, a memoir of desire, defiance, and show tunes. Um, his story is super interesting. He is... Um, he, he he is fighting ageism and 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 the stigma against sex work and um and he's just a a super interesting and fun guy and I can't wait to read this book. Yes, same. But until then, here is David Pevsner, and we're back with David Pevsner. Hello, hello, hello. Happy to be here from from an elegant closet. Uh, where <laughs> wh- where in the world? It's in Los Velas, California. Terrific. Ah, lovely. Yeah, great neighborhood. I love it here. A beautiful part of town. Uh so what's uh how's your how's your how's your late pandemic? Um late pandemic is actually getting really busy. Good. Um I kind I kind of liked I actually didn't mind early pandemic as long as, you know, I didn't die. That was kind of a Sure. An accomplishment in itself. Sure. Um, but I kind of like, you know, I kind of like being on my own anyway. And I have lots of things to do, including writing this book and editing this book. So it was fine for about the first eight months. And then as much as I like being on my own, it was getting a little ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um yeah, so I was kind of craving a little bit more um, companionship of some kind. And now I, it, it's like we're one foot in and one foot out. You know, yeah, we can't 100% dive into like, you know, crowds, although people right. are doing that. Um, I'm not comfortable with that yet, but I'll get yeah. there. So what is a day in the life for you right now? Like walk us through every, what, what has happened today. We're recording this a little after 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. Mm, today. Well, I'm in the midst of uh, recording the audio book for my book, mm. Damn Shame. Uh-huh. And so uh, I had a session of that this morning. And then um, I actually didn't make it. I also take an um, an acting class that I've been taking for years, and I kind of jump into that when I can. I did that briefly today, and then I have you guys this afternoon. I have to do um, a questionnaire interview for some uh, publicity stuff after I'm done with you, and then my best friend happens to be in town from New York, so I'm going to get to see him for dinner. But in between, there'll be a workout because. I got to get that in, you know, I work out here at home because the gym is, you know, they're not wearing masks and it just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, no masks at the gym. And the funny thing is, is, you know, on the door going in, it's like, you must wear a mask. You go over to the counter. You must wear a mask. The guy behind the counter is not wearing a mask and you look and 95% people are not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. It just, I'm not comfortable enough for that. So I worked out at home all year anyway, so continuing that what is a what does a david pevsner home gym consist of oh it's pathetic it, it's pretty pathetic it's just it's a bench um like a tree of dumbbells a pull up pull up bar uh-huh. um but i've also been doing like tabata class that a friend of mine teaches on instagram right. and i take ballet classes from this great woman Catherine morgan online wow and then um i also take yoga and this is all kind of spread out. I don't do any of it every day. 
that there's a yoga aimed specifically at men called man flow yoga. And I kind of discovered it and I really love it because it's not the least bit spiritual. There's no like Zen. There's no like feel that no, none of that. It's great. So I'm kind of enjoying that. Just whatever I can do to kind of, you know, keep myself. It's hard when you're 62. It's hard. Sure. <laughs> you're sure. making it look good. You're very kind. I appreciate that. What's your day like besides this, like before and after? Uh, for me, similar. Just spent some time in the in the side yard prison gym that we have uh, set up. <laughs> and um, I, I uh, have a new piece of fitness equipment called the Light Boxer, which I was sent uh, for review. And it's like a smart um, heavy bag. Oh, wow. But it lights, it lights up like a Simon toy. And you like- Depending you on know, how hard you hit it? No, just like just where, oh, where you, you hit. hit. Oh, so wow. it's like one, okay. two, one. And boxing is hard as shit, as it turns out. Yeah. It's real like you get to your maximum heart rate in like 15 seconds and you stay Maybe there. You don't have to get one of it's those things. Pretty like, awesome. Or at least get any kind of like a standing bag. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's a good time. My apartment is like tiny anyway and it looks mm -hmm. ridiculous. So why not add a gigantic punching bag? Why not? Add some more stuff. Why not? Hoard. <laughs> while you can. Matthew, yeah. what was your day? What was your day all about? Yeah. Honestly, this is it. I woke up and just stared at my, my, my watch and the computer and Googled things about David Pevsner and just prepared for this moment. <laughs> oh, there's a lot to Great. Google on there David There is Pevsner, a lot yeah. to Google. I mean, yeah. so um, let's talk about the book because the I love the um, the 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 entire the, the full name is damn shame a memoir of desire defiance and show tunes and yes i feel like we can sort of break down this interview almost in those three categories kind of yeah so so starting with desire uh talk us through uh, growing up uh being closeted paint that picture for us when you were young well when i was a kid i was all, it, a, a lot of the book is about body shame and sexuality. Um, being a little kid who was kind of skinny and picked on and called faggot and, you know, a lot of stuff that a lot of people identify with. Um, I had no confidence except in being smart because I was a smart kid. And I was also a little ham. You know, I was a little ham bone who put on shows and sang show tunes and all of that. Top of my lungs, not very well. Um, but... Uh, I was afraid of things like, you know, going to the JCC because I hated to be seen in a bathing suit. You know, my, my sisters would, would make fun of me and they'd be like, and, and it was just like, oh God. So I, I just, you know, the whole idea of body, naked, sex, which I didn't know what it was, but I did enjoy using my pillow to kiss TV stars that I had seen, like Brian Kelly, who was the t the father on the TV show Flipper. Oh, wow. You know what he looks like? Yeah. You look him up. Yeah, yeah. And then James Darren from the Time Tunnel. So they were like, I would watch TV and I was like six years old, seven years old. And I was like, you know, making love to my pillow, essentially. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. But um, so everything was kind of happening at once. It was like confusing that I wasn't, you know, kissing Marsha Brady. You know, I kind of thought more about Greg Brady and and between that and the body shame and the fear, like kind of knowing that I wanted to be an actor, but knowing that there was something different about me that probably wasn't going to fall in line with, you know, because who knew any gay actors back then? 
You know, it was just, I was a confused little kid is what it was. But, um, you know, I always soldiered on like somebody's going to make fun of me with my shirt. I remember this one time we were at a, a resort in Colorado and it was, you know, just balls hot, 95 degrees, 100 degrees. And I got kind of woo wooed and I ran back in the into the hotel room and I put on a pair of pants and a long sleeve shirt. And I went back down to the pool and I sat at the end of the at the end of the um little uh chair whatever it was and just sat there and it just was like pouring down my oh face schwitzing and that's how i put up with it so i always kind of made my way through things my way but um i didn't know that it, all of this the body shame and the the fear of you know sexual anything was all gonna like stick with me throughout high school and college and my early years in New York and you know beyond that. It's something that I have focused on my entire life yeah. because it's 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 always been a conundrum to me. I came out very early. I mean, early. I mean, I came out in college. Yeah. But and once I did, there was no putting me back in, even in my in my career as an actor. So, you know. It's, it's 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 so hard to say. That's that's why the book, in a way, is kind of it's kind of epic in a way because it's not just well, you know, I was closeted as a kid and then I came out and then I dealt with it and body blah. There's so much more that has to do with the fact that I was a skinny little kid, the fact that I started to have these attractions for like male TV stars and in and in my attractions to other people, that's what I was looking for my whole life right. like i had a really high bar as to what i thought was sexy and hot and cute and it was just uh, what i did to myself yeah. you know and all of that's like body shame is something that one typically faces alone you know you don't want to confide in people um right. young sexual confusion certainly in the 70s you just couldn't tell anyone Right. I mean, so so these are no. things you, you had to deal with alone, which I always find makes people creative people. Truly. With, and with and it also life. feeds it feeds your art. Yeah. Certainly. You know, when you have to I, I tell a story about an acting class in which, you know, essentially I had to cry. And all I had to do was think about getting beaten up by the kids on, uh, you know, in, in recess yeah. and them calling me a faggot and just like, you know, and one guy got down on his hands and knees. The other guy pushed me over him. I didn't see him behind me. I fell on the ground, Oof. ripped my clothes, ring. The, everybody else went back to, you know, after recess. And I just laid there dirty and, you know, humiliated and all of that. And you just go like, that's not a scar that's going to leave very, you know, tomorrow. No. You know, it hangs on. No. And a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people really identify with the concept of, feeling less than feeling being made to feel less than until the day you find out that they can try to make you feel that way, but you don't have to feel that way. Mm. And you don't even have to fight back, fight back. You just have to like, I had a friend in college who was like, I don't care. You know, the teachers were kind of horrible to us in school in terms of us being, you know, th those of us who are a little effeminate or, you know, girls who are a little overweight. They're like, you're never going to work. You're never going to be an actor. And some kids either got kicked out or left because they were like, I can't please anybody. But then I had a couple of friends who were like, I don't fucking care. 
Yeah. I don't care. You know, I'm just going to do what I do. And if they don't like it, fine, kick me out. I'll, I'll go be a star on Broadway. And there are a couple of people who did that and did that. Just that. Yeah. And, and you mentioned uh, yeah. that, you know, there was no no going back in the closet for you, including, yeah. you know, as an actor. So how talk more about like how, how you, you're coming to terms with your sexuality intersected with starting your career. Um, I kind of, it kind of almost didn't, you know, I, I went to New York out of the closet. Uh, I, I wasn't out to my folks when I moved to New York in 1982. It took about a year for me to get the guts to tell them and they were fine. I mean, you know, my mom was a little devil's advocate about it. You know, are you sure this is what you want? And my dad asked me if I needed money. <laughs> Which I thought was very sweet. Yeah, as responses and, go, I mean, I'll take it. I, he was he was a little uncomfortable, yeah. So, but um, once I did, I mean, I just, I I really didn't have a problem. I'll tell you, it it was actually later because I was just doing theater, and right. theater is like you know, backstage, gay, 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 gay. You, you don't really have anything to worry about. But when I started doing TV, came out to LA in '98 and started doing TV. When I was on a set, I did feel I kind of had to like, you know, pull it back. Um, sometimes the the crew can be kind of an old boys club, and there's a lot more of like, "Hey, check her out," and, <laughs> okay, yeah. you know. Um, so I I I I won't say that I went back in the closet when I'd be on a TV set, but I kind of learned how I had to learn how to deal with it, you know. And now I just, you know, I love them all. You know, when you work on TV, people work so hard and they're so great. And they're really not. Nobody's out to make you feel shitty about yourself. I, I sometimes will be a little more comfortable in hair and makeup with those guys and, you know, shooting the shit. But uh, it really what I've learned is it's not them. It's always you. Even when you're getting beaten up as a little kid, it's you feel like it's them, but it's how you react to it. And you don't know that you have the power to, to take your power back. You know, I wish that's something I wish I had known early on. And it's something that I wish oh, the kids, I, I, you know, I just feel so, so badly for the kids who go through that yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. Still happening. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And what was the tipping point for you? I mean, how, how, how did you learn that and, and how did you learn to claim that power was it just life or no actually there there was kind of a turning point i have to say um and it's really not about being gay but i was um i had gotten a job at my, right before my junior year of college i had gotten a job on a cruise ship i was going to be an entertainer on a cruise ship which was the coolest Oh my God, best job, best paying i'm going to see everything i'm going to be the it's going to be the love boat it's going to be fantastic. But I didn't have my uh, passport with me in Pittsburgh, which is where I went to school. So I needed to take a side trip home to Skokie, Skokie, Illinois, and get my passport. And then the next morning, get on a, a plane to New York and then get on the ship and then move along. Well, when I'd gotten home, my sister, who had just given birth to my nephew, Ari, was staying with us while her husband was down in Florida starting his osteopath practice. Wow, is this convoluted? Anyway. So when I got there, I was like, Ari was asleep in my room. And I said to Linda, Linda, I got to get in there. I mean, I have to get my passport. There's other stuff I need. And she's, well, it's too bad because Ari, Ari's going to sleep through the night. 
it was like, and I was so stressed because I'd never done anything like this before. You know, even the traveling overseas, never done it. So I was like really, really stressed. And I just sat, like I went and watched TV and I was like chewing my fingers off and going like, what the fuck am I going to do? And nobody was like saying, just go in there. You know, if you yeah. know where it is, just no, none. I couldn't do it. I really could have, but I didn't think I could. So sure enough, like an hour later, the baby wakes up, they go in and my mother starts changing him. And I said, and I just went off on Linda and I went, Linda, you know, you, you knew that the baby was, I was just kind of, I was so nervous. I was so like, my defenses were all down because I was so exhausted and I just kept going after her, and you knew this and you did it on purpose and did, 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 did. And as I was doing that, she started to kind of m mimic everything I was saying, like, like that kind of thing. And that moment was when I realized that you cannot let people treat you like shit. Quite a turning point in my life. It may sound ridiculous to some people, but I'm telling you, I was different after that moment. Wow. And you got the passport. You got on the ship. Got the passport, <laughs> went overseas, slept with some of the waiters down, down in the uh, galley. You know, what you do. Sure. You're... <laughs> you, you, you must know Dennis Hensley. Very well. You, you I've guys, done his podcast. Oh, great. And I hope you've traded war stories about uh, life on cruise ships. We, we haven't, actually. Yeah. That's the first. I, I. That's interesting. Well, I don't think he's he hasn't read the book yet. So I think after he does that, because there's a there's a little bit of stuff about the cruise ship on there, but mostly about like who I slept with and who I wanted to sleep with. Oh, sure. Boy. Important stuff. It is. All right. Well, because the whole book, the whole book is is my story, but told through the lens of body shame and sexuality with a few kind of other things to just fill out this character of David, who starts out as kind of a very innocent, kind of loving, funny, little gregarious boy. And as the years go on and I kind of delve more into my sexuality and become more of a man, um, how things change for me and how I've had to deal with stuff that a lot of people have to deal with. Um, I think it's it's almost an epic story in that we don't just like one day become who we are, yeah. you know? Tell us about New York City in the 80s oh, yeah. on Broadway. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has um, to have been the best of times and the worst of times. Well, the worst of times was before I was on Broadway because, you know, I moved there in 82 right. and fear of God about sex, of course. you know, just totally for years and years. And you find out about that first person that passes away. There, there was a guy who was out with some, a group of uh, guys that I had just met who were all kind of Broadway people. And one guy was kind of coughing a lot all night. And he said, oh, I, I just started swimming. You know, I think it's the chlorine. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. Two weeks later, I get a phone call saying that guy, he died. And he mm. was like the first person that I knew who, who died of AIDS. Um, but having that kind of ghost over us throughout my time in New York, it was also fantastic. And when you worked in New York City, especially on Broadway, and I did a lot of high profile off Broadway as well, so much fun. I mean, you're part of the community. You, um, you know, you're making a living <laughs> in New York mm -hmm. City. You meet fantastic people, whether it's the people you're on stage with, the people who come to see the show. Um, I would highly recommend everyone getting a Broadway show at some point in their lives. Yeah. Because it's really, it's a lot of fun. Uh, wh which ones did you do? 
Uh, well, the only Broadway show I did was Fiddler on the Roof, mm-hmm. the, re- the 25th anniversary revival with Topol. Wow. And I talk about that in the book as well because he was a piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really dish people in this unless they deserve it. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. And then he deserved it. Okay. But, uh, but it was fun. I mean, we did it on tour for about a year and a half, and then we brought it into New York for about 10 months or so. Well, we are into those holidays, and we are back in a world where you can hang out, kind of. But hanging out with your friends does not require special occasions. Some of the best hangouts are just you, some friends, spontaneity, and some Miller Lite. No strict dress code required. Just keep things simple. Hang out with the people you can be yourself around. And since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer with the taste you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks. Just a great beer for people who like beer. People like you and me and my friends and your friends. And whether you're in person or you're still doing a Zoom happy hour, you can count on Miller Lite to bring you and your friends together for Miller time. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com forward slash homophilia to find delivery options near you. Yeah, you're going to have Miller Lite delivered to your door. Or you can go to the store. Pick up Miller Lite pretty much anywhere beer is sold. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Okay, true story. When I was just in New York with Michael, my fiance, we're bopping around doing some shopping. And he goes, oh, you know what I really need is like a nice silk sleep mask. And I said, oh, I want to get one too. And he goes, let's go to Brooklyn and they have good ones there. And I said, oh, great. You know, we work with Brooklyn and on the podcast. And he goes, no, I didn't know that. That's so cool. I, I love that store. And I said, I do too. Um, also, I guess you haven't been listening to the podcast. Point is, we got those sleep masks and I have slept like a baby every night wearing them, but they have so much more than that. Brooklyn Inn has beautiful, high quality home essentials that don't cost an arm and a leg. I'm talking buttery, soft, breathable sheets, plush and absorbent towels, cozy robes, comfy loungewear, and their customer service, by the way, clearly those people are wearing their silk sleep masks and getting their eight hours because they're a dream to work with if you ever have an issue. So Give yourself the comfort refresh you deserve. Get it for less at Brooklyn and go to brooklinen.com and use promo code HOMOPHILIA to get $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That is B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Enter promo code HOMOPHILIA for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's brooklinen.com, promo code HOMOPHILIA. Me undies. Folks, it's nearly the holidays. It's time to lean into comfort. I'm talking about hugs. I am talking about... Your family's secret recipe for stuffing. Talking about matching PJ sets around a roaring fire. MeUndies wants to help you bring comfort home for the holidays. I love my MeUndies boxer shorts, but I really love my lounge pants. Very soft. They're very comfy. It's, uh, It's just good for lazing about the house, which I think we have all earned the right to do at length this holiday season. And with new classic plaid and holiday sweater prints, MeUndies is turning up the comfort this holiday season. Their undies, their loungewear, their sleepwear are made out of soft, breathable, stretchy fabrics that are just ideal for getting cozy by the fire with a cup of hot cocoa. Ooh, can't you just taste it? Make the whole family smile with matching PJ sets or spoil your partner with plush robes and slippers. Whatever you decide, 
Everyone's going to roll into that new year comfier than before. They're available in sizes extra small through 4XL, and they got a little something for everyone on your list. They got a holiday gift guide if you're looking for some inspiration. MeUndies has a great offer for homophilia listeners. For any first time purchasers, get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. Your days of fighting for your life in the mall parking lot are behind you, my friend. To get 15% off your first order and free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash homophilia. That is MeUndies.com slash homophilia. And this, I think, kind of brings us into the defiance portion of the conversation. Um, I wanted to ask you about sex work it's Mm -hmm. obviously you know going to be an intriguing part of your story and people should read the book of course Mm -hmm. uh but what can you tell us about how about about that chapter of your life well i was because i was like a little skinny guy when i started working out i started to get more attention and i kind of liked it and I found that I was, you know, sleeping with people who I never felt I could get when I, I know this all sounds so superficial, but you have to understand that, yeah, it was because that's where, that's where I was back then. And this is, there are things I learned. And a lot of what I learned was when I became an escort because I kind of was curious about it. Once I built myself up, I was kind of curious about could I be the kind of guy that people would pay money to have sex with? I was just curious. I kind of had like a burning desire to find out. And now I was older at the point. I was 36 years old. And there was an ad in HX magazine, which is, was, I don't know if it's still there. I think, I think it's not there anymore, but it's like a free gay rag. Yeah. Little and tiny. in the back there. Yeah. Like a little square thing. I think mm-hmm. next magazine is still there. They yeah. had the, they were the two. And in the back, there was an ad for maturity escorts. Maturity. Maturity escorts, which were taking older guys as escorts. So I called and I had an interview. I went to this guy's house and he actually interviewed me. And it's a pretty funny section in the book. And it's also all true. Like, as I was going through it, I was like, oh, my God, nobody is going to fucking believe this. But it was really funny. But what I learned, so I got the gig, but I was also working and I was doing two um, high profile off-Broadway shows. One was called Party, which was the first kind of like off-Broadway gay naked show that everybody came to see. And then after that, I did a a show called When Pigs Fly, which was this really great musical comedy that, again, everybody came to see. So they were both high profile gay theater. During party is when I started to escort. So I was kind of living this crazy, crazy double life where I would do my show and then get paged afterwards to go have a date. And, you know, I was still because I felt like I was older. I didn't get like, you know, I wasn't like juggling 10 times a week or anything like that. But it was a great way to make some money. And I'm kind of a caretaker guy and I'm very sexual and it just spoke to a lot of who I am. And I felt like I did it really well and I really enjoyed it. And it also taught me because, you know, very few of the people that I 
either had sex with or sometimes they would just be dates, you know, where you would, they would just talk to you. You know, it was all kinds of things. They talk about, you know, the kinds of things in the book and stuff. It's not always what people think it is. But they weren't all like, you know, body beautiful, you know, TV guy, handsome, whatever. There were a lot of them were just regular guys. And some of them were like overweight. Some of them, it didn't matter because I learned to really like look into a guy a lot deeper than I used to, you know, um, it was more about the connection that we made. And I was able to make a connection with everybody as long as they weren't assholes and they didn't smell. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it really showed me, it got me out of that head of you have to be built and gorgeous and 10 inch cock and, you know, all that stuff. I really loved it. I loved these, these guys. I had great clients, you know, um, and it was a great way to make money outside of, my theater stuff. I've always been a juggler. I have always done five things at once. Like now I also have a, a personal organizing business and I also dramaturg some shows for people and the book and I'm an actor and you know whatever. But that's what I was doing. And there was one time where I finished off with a guy in a hotel room and I was getting dressed. He's like, can I ask you something? And so he went over to his suitcase. I was doing Party at the time. And he pulled out the program from Party. And he had seen it just that night. Wow. <laughs> when I walked in. Because at the time, it wasn't online they were selling. They were selling over the phone. So that right. he hadn't seen my picture. And he's like, he wasn't going to say anything to me about it because he didn't want to, like, upset me. And I, we kind of laughed about it. So I said, you know, okay, but just just don't tell a lot of people about it. He goes really deadpan. He goes, I'm from Dubuque. Who would I tell? Oh, <laughs> I love him. I'm still kind of uh, tripping on uh, maturity being 36. Right. Well, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, back then, the I, 90s, I think that there was. Yeah. 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 And I think that, you know, now we're a little more clear on what daddy, you know, sure. like. You know, otter, right, twink. Right. Back then, you were just like, and you were just older. Yeah. If you were thirty-six years old. And during this time in your life, what was what was your dating situation? I have never been a big dater. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of the choices that I make. That I did have a relationship that I talk about in the book, like my first really serious relationship, and it was a shit show. It was so tumultuous, but I came out of it a much better person because it made me realize that like, you know, yeah, I have, I've made choices in my life and you can judge me on them if you want, but I, I stand behind them all. And, you know, if you don't want it, then don't be around me. But I really, I, I, I think that subconsciously through many of the years, I didn't date a lot because either choices that I've made or when I wasn't working and I didn't have a lot of money, it's not fun dating when you're yeah. poor. It's just right. not fun. Right. So, you know, plus I'm, I'm a bit of a loner. So like when I come, when I, like right now I'm talking to you guys and because of COVID and stuff, I feel like my mouth is going 9,000 miles a minute. Not at all. That's because I really don't talk to a lot of people. Not at all. Let it out, David. Blah, 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 blah. Let it out. <laughs> But yeah, I, but I do spend a lot of time on my own and I always have. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, you know, love a relationship, but 
it'll happen, you know, when I'm 89, if right. I'm still here. We'll see. <laughs> so now you are 62. and I'm 62. You, you've got uh, quite a fan base, um, p- partly through a blog of erotic photos. And mm-hmm. you are, again, sort of getting back to defiance, defiantly, you know, celebrating your body and, um, and you know, in the face of ageism and all of the all of the stigmas exactly. of the queer communities talk to us about your perspective there well i the first time i ever posed nude was for tom bianchi the photographer tom bianchi back in 1989 and that was kind of a revelation for me it was something i really enjoyed he was great and i did a i did a couple of shoots for him and then did a few more living in New York. But when I came to L.A., I met a lot of photographers who either asked me to pose for them or I asked them. There was no real outlet to put the photos anywhere, though. So they were either like sometimes they'd be in um, an exhibit or in a, in a coffee table book. But I think it was around 2008 where all of a sudden I was really getting the sense that we, were, we weren't progressing when it came to nudity and sexuality, especially gay sex, that people, you know, the right wing was starting to speak up more and, you know, calling the gays disgusting and gross. They always had, but they were starting to get a little more power and they were starting to move into government more and speaking up there. And you can tell now where we're at with that. It's like in, intense. So I started to kind of go like, what am I going to do with these photos because i i I, i've always treated it as an art project i've always tried to go run the gamut from really arty and really esoteric to just like triple x boom and i discovered tumblr in 2013 and i noticed that people were like you could tumblr was everything you could like put up your dinner you could put up i picked these flowers you could pick up i fucked this guy last night i mean there was just so much that you could do and it was easy and as you know i'm a computer idiot so it was easy and i figured i can do this so i started setting up a gallery and i had so many photos stored up from so many years and then i also was taking more shots with more photographers and i tried to put them into like sets where you know they kind of either told a story or um just just an artier way of just throwing up photos and I, then I would try to attach a, a name to the set that kind of put it into a like an ironic context or made it made me laugh a little bit. Like I did a shoot in a, um, a parking garage and, you know, the cars all over the place. And we did this shoot and I called the set auto exposure. Kind of made me laugh. So I, try, I always try to bring some kind of like other level to these photos and that I kept doing it until 2018. And then Tumblr purged adult material. And I'd had five years. And, and meanwhile, I was getting tons of messages from all over the world saying, thank you for doing this. You know, I was, you know, not that I'm a star by any means, but I was kind of well known in the off-Broadway community and in the gay independent film community. And I was kind of like, fuck it. I don't care anymore. I, my, my desire to kind of say, fuck this sex phobia, this body phobia, this shame, this ageism where if you're, you know, 40 years old, you're done, you're irrelevant. I was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to buy that. So started posting, then Tumblr 
you know, got rid, but I was getting messages and not just from America and the UK guys from like countries where they would get murdered if they, if people found out that they were gay and they were saying, thank you. I know I need to feel better about myself. It's really hard where I live, but I'm going to try. And we would chat back and forth a little bit. I, I just felt like people were getting a little inspired by the fact that this guy here who, you know, had something to lose in a way was willing to kind of put it out there at my age and be kind of militant about it. So I then started moving into doing videos for a filmmaker friend of mine, and I established an OnlyFans page, which, you know, everybody has an OnlyFans page, but I'll tell you something. Um, I started to post the videos when COVID happened because, you know, I wasn't going to be working. I couldn't do my personal organizing. I wasn't going to be acting. And I was okay financially, but I just thought, I don't want to worry. So I set that up and that's what got me through the, the pandemic. And I treated that exactly as I treat the photo sessions, et cetera. I try to bring some art to it. They run the gamut from arty and esoteric to triple X, but I'm very thoughtful about how I do it. And I kind of love it. It's in my blood to be this kind of provocateur, sensualist, exhibitionist, but for the purpose of feel free, feel better about your bodies. Don't let people shame you. Don't, you know, when I see these guys in the locker room, you know, they, they put their towel around their underwear and then they pull their underwear off. I'm like, oh, what is that? You know, why, why is it such a big deal? Like, when stars, you know, when naked pictures come up and they're like, oh, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done. Fuck that. No, no, it's not a big deal. And it shouldn't be a big deal. How often you know? do you come up against stigma against, you know, people who have been naked online or, or done sex work or whatever? Is it as intense as it was against gay people when you were starting on Broadway? Um, let me Let me think about that. There, uh, well, I mean, I had a couple of agents who discovered my photos and dropped me. Yeah, you know, um, but for the most part, I, 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 yeah, they're the trolls. You know, it's mostly like the the online trolls, the anonymous ones who like to say, you know, ugh, he's ugly, ugh, he's old, ugh, why is he doing it? He's, he's, you know, they they have to wipe his ass in the old folks' home, and then he takes his pictures. I mean, stuff like that. Or Dennis Hensley's favorite one, because when we talked about this, he said, my favorite line that somebody wrote about you was, puke. <laughs> but i get tons of support too i get tons of support too and right. i i don't care i have a mission this is my this is my anti-body shame anti-ageism pro-sexuality mission and i'm hoping that you know is it going to affect my acting career i don't know i still act you know i still have my clients i still enjoy doing everything i do i have this book you know the book I, I, the book came out of just, I had so, obviously I have so much to say about this, you know, and my history when I was, from when I was a little boy to high school and college and growing up and this and that, I have some pretty funny stories in there that all have to do with this kind of journey that I've been on. And so it's, it's all a friend of mine who's a producer for Disney. I had said to him, is my kind of erotic presence online 
is that going to stop you from ever hiring me? And he said, well, we're Disney. Mm. He said, however, he said, if this is important to you, if this is something that you really want people to hear about, he said, then don't let that kind of thing bother you. You have to go f- full throttle into it. And I said, yeah. And that's when I found my wonderful editor, Scott Sellers. And that's when Random House Canada decided to publish the book. Something started to change. And now it's full steam ahead, you know. And I'll take, I'll take the chances because I really, really believe in it. Well, and then there's the, the show tunes uh, portion yes. of your story. Um, yes. You have a, I don't know, 40, 40 plus year career now. What, if, if you could nail it down, what has been your proudest moment as an actor or, or, or most defining role or experience? Well, I have to say that show, When Pigs Fly, that I did, it was so, you know, there's a line in, in, in one of the lyrics, just to be in it, you got to be out. It was it was unashamedly gay, but it was so clever and so funny. And I mean, it's the best show I've ever been in, except for when I've done Broadway Bears, oh, yeah. the fundraiser that they do in New York. I did a couple of those and those shows are just bonkers. They're so good. But I think when Pigs Fly, because it was just so blatantly um, gay and because it was so clever and because the lyrics and the song, I mean, I've always been a musicals guy, but I kind of wanted to write and I started to write kind of dirty poetry. A friend gave me a computer, like this shitty computer, and um, I just started to write poetry about my my fantasy about being a porn star and i was actually a naked maid for a while that's an interesting story but i wrote a song about it yeah and then i also wrote a song about high school gym class the showers in gym class and how horrified i was that i had to like get naked and take showers and so what was going through my mind it's a trio of three three kids three gay kids like just in horror because of having to take showers in gym class and I started to uh, attach melodies to those. And I thought, well, this stuff from When Pigs Fly is so funny and smart. And I think I think that way, except dirtier. Yeah. So I put those songs together. I found somebody to help me like lay down a track. And at the time, a friend of mine said, hey, they're doing this review in Los Angeles and they're looking for songs. I had mentioned to him that I was kind of writing these dirty little ditty things and he goes they're looking for them and he said i said well you know my, this stuff's not very marketable it's you know like i'm a perky little porn star from school it, it, i just didn't think it was going to make it it's a pretty filthy song but funny he goes david it's it's got it's called naked boy singing and i thought oh so i sent the songs off and they used them and 20 plus years later it's still playing so i found that very encouraging for sure. And I love, you know, I'm not always writing songs, but I think some of my best writing is in my lyrics because it's whimsical and it's funny and I go a little filthier than some people do, but thoughtful, very thoughtful. Yeah. Let, let's talk about all time favorite show tunes. Mm. If show tunes is in the subtitle, let's, is there, do you have an well, all time favorite? Is there one that just stops you in your tracks every time? Well, there's, I think there's the two that 
started me wanting to perform when I was this little boy and we had this um, hi-fi stereo, you know, the kind with the the TV in the middle and then the record player was on one side and whatever. And it smelled like it was burning as it warmed up. My parents had the Funny Girl original cast album. Okay. And I would put on Don't Rain on My Parade and I'm the Greatest Star and I would belt the shit out of them when nobody was home. Yeah. And, you know, those were the two that I think were the most inspirational to me um, getting started. Yeah. And then after that, I just liked anything that was on Broadway, you know, from Rodgers and Hammerstein. Sondheim, I didn't get Sondheim for the longest time. It was like too complicated. I wanted, I'm as corny as Kansas. You know, that's what I wanted. But as I got older, oh my God, you start to realize what that man is doing. And, you know, it's just fascinating, fascinating stuff. So, yeah, I would take out albums from the library and I like, like at Seesaw, the original company of Seesaw with Michelle Lee and, you know, belt out, Nobody does it like me right. or yeah. Um, oh, just everything. I just loved, I just loved musicals. Yeah. What about Love in the them. last like 10, 15 years? Have you, have you seen anything? Not as much. Halfway recent that you've Not as loved? No. Well, okay. I, I think the last thing I saw that I really loved was the last Broadway show I saw, which was Once. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw Once, the, the stage the version of the film. Yeah. Beautiful. Just a great, great show. Um, I have to say I may be falling a little out with musicals these days. Every so often something like, for instance, uh, The Prom on Netflix, you know, the musical film. So many people through, like, they hated it. I kind of liked it because it was that simple, fun, it was the kind of thing that if I was a kid watching that movie, I would want to be in musicals. Yeah. Where some stuff is so serious and so, like, I don't think I love a serious musical. It doesn't give me that same feeling. I can appreciate the the acting and, and the um, craft that goes behind it, but it just doesn't tap into that kid in me that wanted to, like, entertain, you know? They're not always very entertaining. but good for everybody who's able to get anything produced and make money and run for a zillion years bravo it's not always my thing david yeah thank you so much for being here we're so excited about the book the book is damn shame comes out early 2022 uh get it wherever books are sold find find david on uh, on only fans and yeah, um, look it up. I just, you know, Google my name, XXX, and you'll see plenty. But um, um, I'm on Twitter as David Pevsner. I'm on Twitter as Real Guy LA. Um, yeah, I'm kind of all over the place with, with and without the clothes on. Seriously political about politics and seriously political about everything we've spoken about today. So I love it. David, thank you so much. Thank you. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production, produced and edited by Kate Moldenhauer. Special thanks to Randy Barbato, Fenton Bailey, Stephen Sims, Edward Bochniak, and the whole team at World of Wonder. We love you. And theme music by my Ben Wise. 
Yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HomophiliaPod. You can give us a five-star review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Mm. Thank you for listening. We love you. Bye.